Yeah. Awesome. Good morning, Cedar Creek. It is so great to be back. I'm so excited to be back that I got all dressed up to be here. I even tucked in my shirt today. Of course, still no socks, but anyway, just a little bit at a time. It is great. And what a great way to come back last Sunday evening to be a part of that Summer Splash Churchwide New Life Baptism over at our West Campus. It was amazing not only to celebrate with the 14 people who were professing Jesus Christ as their Lord, but just to watch Cedar Creekers do what Cedar Creekers do because that storm came out of nowhere. We didn't have a plan B, but Cedar Creekers just jumped into action. Somebody went home and got a blow-up pool. People started showing up with compressors, water hoses, and after about a 30-minute delay, we were able to baptize folks. So it was an amazing night. Yeah, that's just a, that, you know, these past several weeks as I've been away on sabbatical, I've had some opportunities to worship and visit and be in a lot of amazing churches. And as great as those churches were being there, do you know what it did most for me? It just reminded me of what a very special place this is and what very special people you are. So thank you for allowing me to have that opportunity to renew, refresh, and re-energize my passion for God's call and the move of his church. I also want to say thank you to our amazing campus pastors and Centerpoint student directors. Didn't they do a phenomenal job? Yeah, with the You Ask For It series. And and we were only able to answer eight of your questions. I know you have a lot more. So over the next several months this fall, I'm going to be doing a podcast to answer some of the questions that we weren't able to get to. So be looking out for that on the city and on Facebook. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Now, if you'll take out your message notes, you'll see this morning we are beginning a 21-day journey of prayer and fasting. And the purpose of this journey is not only for us to seek God, but it is for us to see a breakthrough from God. To see God break through in our individual lives, to see God break through in our church, in our community, and even in our world. This past week, I received a prayer request through email. And, and I want to share just a little bit of it. It says, Dear Pastor Philip, I've hit rock bottom in life. Things have been going downhill for a long time now. There's nothing working in my favor. There isn't a single area in my life that I can look at and be happy about. Not in my health, not in my finances not in my emotional well-being, not in my career, relationships, or anything else. Nothing is working. I think this is an apt description of my situation. And then listen to this last line. Kindly pray for a complete turnaround. That's a breakthrough. That's what we are seeking from God. A breakthrough. Many of us in here today are desperately in need of a breakthrough from God. 
Some of us need a breakthrough in our marriage. Some need a breakthrough in our finances. Some of us need a breakthrough in our health, in our jobs, our careers. In fact, let me just ask you, how many of you sitting here on one of our campuses or watching online, how many of you need a breakthrough in at least one area of your life right now? Can I see that? Yeah, that's almost all. In fact, all this week, I've been praying that God would bring the exact people who needed to be here and hear this message to be here and hear this message. A lot of people won't hear this message. Maybe they don't need a breakthrough, but I'm pretty sure all of us here do. But let me just tell you this. As your pastor, as deeply as I desire God to do a breakthrough in your life, I desire also to see God do a breakthrough in the life of his church called Cedar Creek. That we would see a breakthrough in reaching more lost and hurting people in our communities that are going through the stuff of life without a savior and the safety and support of an authentic church family. I'm praying that God would would do a breakthrough in his church of connecting more people in authentic community. That people would not just attend church services, but they would live out their faith in the context of real relationships with other believers. I'm praying desperately for God to break through growth in our church. Not just numerical growth, but spiritual growth. That more and more of us would sink down deep roots into his word, to his spirit, to be able to stand up in difficult times. But let me tell you this, after 25 years of ministry, here's what I know about breakthroughs. They don't just happen by chance. Breakthroughs come when the people of God seek God. When they seek a breakthrough from Him. These aren't spontaneous events. They're when the people of God run after God's heart and desperately desire Him to break through in their life. There's a great picture of this in the Old Testament book of Ezra. Ezra is a prophet of God during the time of exile. The nation of Israel had been defeated and carried off by the Babylonians. And after 70 years of living in exile, the king began to allow them to return to Jerusalem. Ezra, the prophet, was leading a group back to Jerusalem. The problem was to get back to Jerusalem, they had to travel through no man's land. A long and difficult journey through a lawless place. And Ezra said, you know, probably what I should do is ask the king to send some soldiers and some horses to escort us through this dangerous territory. But I am embarrassed to ask because for years I've been telling the king what a faithful God we have and what a people of faith we are. So we're not going to ask an earthly king to break us through to get home. We're going to ask the king of kings for a breakthrough. Notice Ezra 8.23, Ezra said, So we fasted and earnestly prayed that God would take care of us. And notice this last part, He heard our prayer. They experienced a breakthrough because they sought a breakthrough. And that's what these next 21 days are all 
about. And so to help us with that this morning, we're going to look at two examples from the Old Testament of people who were desperately needing a breakthrough, people who were facing overwhelming odds, and yet through prayer and fasting saw God break through in their midst. And as we unpack these two stories, these two events, we see very clearly four practical things you need to do when you need a breakthrough. So let's jump in. Number one, when you need a breakthrough, the first thing you got to do is get to a safe place. Get to a safe place. King David, the young shepherd boy who slew Goliath and became a king. When he was first officially installed as king over all of the nation of Israel. He had united the northern and southern kingdom. And he had just taken back the city of Jerusalem. In the middle of that, his old enemies, the Philistines, decided to come against him. And it was smart on their part. A new king who had just been through a difficult battle. And they knew if they waited to move against David, he would only get stronger with time. And so notice what happened. 2 Samuel 5, 17. It says, When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. They weren't searching for him to congratulate him on making it as king. They were looking to kill him. But notice what happens. It says, But David heard about it and went down to the what? What's that word? To the stronghold. Now there's a lot of debate among scholars about where this stronghold was. Some say that it was the same cave that David often used when he was being chased by King Saul. Some say no, his stronghold was in Jerusalem. He had just conquered it, so it's some safe place inside of the walls of Jerusalem. Here's my point. We don't know where the stronghold was, but we know what the stronghold was, and it was a safe place. It was a place where David felt secure. It's a place where he felt protected, where he felt supported. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a place like that? Do you have a stronghold, a safe, secure, supportive place? If Cedar Creek is your church home, the answer is yes, you do, and it's right here. And I'm not talking about inside the buildings of our campuses where we meet to worship. I'm talking about the people around you. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And Jesus' physical presence in this world is his church, the body of Christ, the church family. That is our stronghold. That's the safe place you got to get to when you need a breakthrough. See, unfortunately, we do the opposite, right? We go through tough times, the wheels come off, things aren't going right. We immediately isolate. We separate, we drift away, we disconnect as if we think the stronghold is within ourselves. We just try to deal with it on our own. And then we wonder, God, where's my breakthrough? You're not going to see breakthroughs from God until you lean in to the stronghold that he has provided. And so that's why over the next three weeks, I'm asking you not only to commit to be a part of the Sunday morning worship services at our campuses or online, but I'm asking you to connect in authentic community with other believers in one of our home groups. 
If you're in a home group, I'm asking you to commit to be there every week for the next three weeks. If you're not in a home group, I'm asking you to step up to the plate, push past your objections, get over your excuses, and get to that safe place. Get connected, because that's where it starts. If you need a breakthrough, or if like me, you're just desperate to see God do a breakthrough in this church, it starts by leveraging the stronghold that he's given us. Then number two, it doesn't stop there. The second thing you got to do is ask God for direction. Ask God for direction. See, I'm pretty convinced that almost all of us here this morning, we pray in a crisis. When things are going bad, when we're facing overwhelming odds, we pray. The problem is our tendency is to pray and tell God what we need Him to do instead of asking Him for direction in what we ought to do. See, when David retreats to the stronghold, he's not running like some scared schoolgirl. He is preparing for battle. And he begins that preparation with prayer. And I love the way he prays. Look at verses 18 and 19. It says, now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Repaim. In other words, they're surrounding David, and look what he does. It says, so David what? What's that word? Inquired, circle it. He inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? You see what he's doing? He's seeking God's direction not just God's blessing. See, too many times we ask God to bless what we've already decided we're going to do instead of asking Him for the direction of what we ought to do. And many of us are fighting battles we were never meant to fight. Because we don't bother asking God, is this a battle to fight? Is this a hill to die on? Is this the step I should take? You wonder why you're so frustrated, why you're so worn out, why you're so defeated in your spiritual life. Maybe it's because you're fighting battles you were never meant to fight because you never asked God for direction. You just tried to get him to bless what you had already decided to do. Listen, the greatest breakthroughs in your life will not come from God changing external circumstances. It will come from Him aligning your heart with His plan and His purpose, no matter what external circumstances that takes you through. Now, here's what you need to understand about David. This prayer of direction was not just a crisis management tool for him. It was a way of life. Look at Psalm 88.9. David says, all day long. I call out to you, O Lord. I stretch out my hands in prayer to you. And that's what I'm asking you to join me in doing for the next 21 days. For us to stretch out our hands in prayer in seeking God's direction. And so I'm going to ask every one of you, beginning tomorrow morning, to pray three times a day, five minutes each time. Five minutes in the morning, five minutes in midday, five minutes in the evening. Three times a day, five minutes each for the next 21 
days. Now, I know some of you are saying, Philip, I already pray way more than that. God bless you, super spiritual person. But I'm going to ask you to do it morning, noon, and night for five specific things. A lot of you are saying, five minutes, I could never pray for five minutes. Every time I try to pray, I get like two lines out, and then I get all confused, and I forget how magic words I'm supposed to use, and I get confused, and I, I don't know what to do. Well, wherever you are in your prayer life, I'm going to give you a helpful tool. I call it the hand prayer. We're going to pray the hand prayer together every morning, every midday, every evening. Now, please don't misunderstand me. The hand prayer is not some magic formula of prayer that I discovered during my sabbatical okay all this is is a simple device to remind you to pray for five specific things so here they are stretch out your hand everybody hold out your hand all right you got five fingers five things I'm asking you to pray for first we start with the thumb the thumb is closest to your heart when you're praying right so beside thumb I want you to write heart Ask God to give you direction for your heart. To move your heart towards the things that his heart is moving towards. To break your heart for the things that are breaking his heart. Next is the index finger. What do we do with this finger? We point, right? So right beside it, direction. So start, thumb, pray for your heart. God, give me direction in my heart. God, give me direction in my life, my choices, my decision. Do I do this? Do I take this step? And then the third finger is the middle finger. See? Why are y'all laughing? For some of you, the middle finger is the finger you use to communicate to people who make you mad. But that's not where we're going here. The middle finger is the tallest finger, right? It's the tallest of all the fingers. This represents your influence. Right influence beside the middle finger. Ask God to give you direction in using your influence. Everybody has influence in our homes, and our families, at work, people around us. Ask God to give you direction in your influence. Next is the ring finger. This is to ask God to give you direction in your relationships. It's where we wear our wedding rings, our engagement rings. So this is all about relationships. And then lastly, the little, the pinky, this is the smallest and the last finger. And this is the finger to ask you or remind you to just pray about your needs. Put down my needs. Nothing wrong with praying and asking God to meet your need. He encourages us to do that, but it's not the first thing we do. It's the last thing, and it's the smallest. To ask God to give you direction to meeting needs. So morning, noon, and night, starting tomorrow morning. Heart, right? Direction influence, relationships, my needs. Got it? Make sense? Good. All right, not only are we going to pray individually three times a day for the next 21 days, but we're also going to have a weekly corporate time of prayer. All of Cedar Creek Church, we're going to gather on Sunday mornings. Sunday is one of the most impactful days we as a church have. We see God move, we see breakthroughs, we have opportunities on Sunday that we don't have any other day of the week. So we're going to institute something we've never done before. It is a church-wide pep, P-E-P. Now we've been doing pep for years. Those of you that serve in our different ministries, you do pep every Sunday you serve. You come in early for a time of prayer, encouragement, and preparation, P-E-P. All we're going to do differently is we're going to do this all together. I'm going to live stream at 
6.30 on Sunday mornings. I'm going to beam it to all the campuses. We're going to gather volunteers. I'm asking everyone who is willing to come and join us. 8.30 on Sunday mornings, your campus. Now listen, I understand that's a big ask. You are the 11 o'clock crowd. Most of you can't even get here by 11. Over half of you come in after 10 after 11. I understand this is a big ask to ask you to show up at your campus at 8.30 on a Sunday morning. I'm aware it's a big ask, but I'm asking God for big things. I'm asking God for big things in your life. I'm asking God for big things in His church. I'm asking God for big things in our community, big things globally. Now listen, just do, those of you who are 11 o'clock, just do what I used to do in college. When I had an 8 o'clock class, I used to sleep till 7.55, jump up, put on a hat, sweatpants, go to class, and then it was over, go back to my room and go back to bed. You can come in your sweat, come in your pajamas, come as you are, I don't care. Just come, and for 10 minutes, let's just have a focused time of prayer together. Next Sunday, we'll start it. I'm hoping that you'll feel the need to be a part of this breakthrough. If you think that's a big ask, wait till you see number three. The third thing you need to do when you need a breakthrough is you need to be willing to fast. Be willing to fast. Throughout the Bible, we see people desperate for breakthroughs fasting. This same King David we were talking about, later on when his child by Bathsheba was dying, the Bible said he laid prostrate on the ground and fasted day after day, desperate for a breakthrough. Jesus, our Lord, before he launched this breakthrough public ministry, spent 40 days in the wilderness praying and fasting. And not only in the Bible do we see individuals fasting to seek God, we see corporate fasting. Groups of people, the people of God, coming together for a specific time of fasting. One of those takes place with another king of Israel, not David, but another king who was facing not one big enemy, but three. Three different nations had joined their armies together to come against this king. The king I'm talking about is King Jehoshaphat, which is the greatest name of any king in the Bible. I love that name. Jehoshaphat. I'm sure when he was a kid, they just called him J-Fat for short. You know, what up, J-Fat? Like a Hebrew rapper, J-Fat, Jazzy J-Fat. So, but anyway, um, Jehoshaphat had these three different countries rise up against him. Notice what happened, Second Chronicles 20. It says, some people came and told J-Fat, a vast army is coming against you. That's an understatement. Alarmed, J-Fat resolved to do what? What's that phrase? inquire is that not exactly what we just read same thing david did inquire of the lord but he took it a step further he proclaimed a fast for all of judah and then check this out the people of judah came together to seek help from the lord and that's what i want us to do see unfortunately fasting is one of the most underused and most misunderstood spiritual disciplines in the church today you rarely hear about it, and a lot of times when you hear about it, the teaching on it is not in line with Scripture. So what is fasting? It's simply this, the voluntary abstinence from food for a spiritual 
purpose. That's the bottom line. That is what fasting is. Two key words. One, voluntary. It's voluntary. Nowhere in Scripture are we commanded to fast. The only commanded fast of God took place with the nation of Israel one day a year, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, when they would fast and grieve and mourn over their own sin. But when Jesus died on the cross, the Day of Atonement was instant, permanent, forever. And so we don't have to fast in mourning over our sin. While it is not commanded, though, fasting is expected of Christ's followers. Why do I say that? Because Jesus, on the Sermon on the Mount, said, when you fast. Just like in that same sermon when he says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. It is an expectation. But you can't do it out of guilt or desire because fasting is for a spiritual purpose. Hear this. Fasting is not a religious ritual to unleash God's blessings in your life. God is not a vending machine that you can put your fasting coins in and pull the lever and get whatever it is you think you want. Fasting is not about God. I'll give up food if you'll fix this problem. Let's make a deal, God. No, fasting is a desperate desire to deny myself so that I can focus on Him and hear better from Him so I can seek a more intimate walk with Him. And so today I'm calling Cedar Creek Church to a 21-day corporate fast. Now, don't freak out. I'm not asking you to abstain from food for the next 21 days straight through. Some of you need to do that, but that's a physical thing, not a spiritual thing. What I'm asking you to do is on Mondays, beginning tomorrow, Mondays for us as a church, if you feel led, don't do this out of pressure, don't do this out of trying to fit in or out of obligation. If you are, you're wasting your time. It can't be a religious ritual. It has to be a personal, Jesus' main criticism of fasting is that people did it hypocritically. That's what he said. When you fast, don't be like the Pharisees. So fasting is a personal thing between you and God. I'm just calling us to consider doing that together. You can fast for the whole 24 hours of Monday. You can fast just during the daylight hours. You can just fast from a single meal. You can fast from a single food type like sweets or meat. It, it doesn't really matter the length of time or what it is you fast. It's about choosing to deny yourself in order to seek God more, to be able to focus and hear from Him. So that starts tomorrow. And then here's what I want you to know. I do, I believe with all my heart that if over these next 20 to one days we would lean into the stronghold of each other, that we would stop drifting away and trying to do it on our own, if we would seek God's direction in our prayer instead of just His blessing, and if we would choose to deny ourselves good gifts from Him, not to earn His favor, but to hear His heart and voice more clearly. I believe we will experience breakthroughs in our individual lives and in the life of this church. 
And that's the fourth thing you got to do. When you need a breakthrough, expect God to act. See, one of the biggest barriers to breakthroughs is, is our lack of faith. We don't really expect God to act. That's why we're so surprised when He does. We're like, wow. You know, we're just, hey, whoa, I got lucky. I got a break. Or maybe, you know, I've been good for the last month, and we're surprised by it. But throughout the Bible, here's what you'll see over and over and over again. A direct connection between the faith of God's people and the size of God's miracles among his people. I want you to notice what God asked Japhat to do. Verse 17, it says, Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, go out and face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you understand nothing has changed it is still three against one there is no way Japhat and his army can win this battle no way humanly possible and God says march out there as if you're going to win step out in faith not only does Japhat march out with his army in faith, do you know what else this crazy joker did? Do you know what he put in front of his army? Who led his army into this unwinnable battle three-on-one? Singers and worshipers and musicians. And do you know what they did? They sang songs of praise for the victory. They hadn't even gotten to the battlefield yet. They said, we've won. God is awesome. Now listen, let me just tell you, if I'm going in a three-in-one battle, the last people I want out in front of my army are the musicians and singers. I mean, no offense to our worship teams, they're awesome people, but they are not very intimidating, right? I mean, I'm putting special forces up front, right? Give me the Navy SEALs, the big guys with the shields. JFAT puts the worshipers, because he's acting in faith, he knows it's not by their strength, but by God's power, and they stepped out in faith. Faith. And I love the way this story ends. This was one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. While they're marching to the battlefield to fight this battle that they could never win, God causes the armies of these three nations to start fighting amongst themselves. And so when Japhat and the singers and the rest of the army get to the battlefield, check out what happens, verse 24 and 25. It says, so when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. And his men went out to gather the plunder and other valuables, the spoils of war, and it was more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it. Oh, they were just going in hoping to survive the battle. And God blessed them more than they could carry away in a battle they never had to fight. And that is my deep desire for your life. But it is my vision for this church. That we would act in faith, united in prayer and fasting, linking arms together. We've got battles to fight. It's a hundred to one. Look around in our culture. The brokenness, the chains, the addiction, the abuses. And all around us are people. And we've got empty seats. And I'm not okay with that. There's too many hurting people for us to gather in our holy huddles and say, Oh, ain't it good? 
Amen, brother. We need to be out in the streets in faith, begging God for breakthroughs in hurting people's lives just like us. And I'm just simply saying, let's do it and let's do it now. No more delays, no more excuses, no more reasons. Let's fight the battle that God has already won and see breakthroughs for His glory and His glory only. When you came in today, you received a card. I'm simply asking you to prayerfully consider right now making these four commitments to say, I will do this. I'm going into battle. I'm going to act in faith. I don't know. I don't know how to pray. I never fasted before, but I'm just going to step out in faith. At all of our campuses in just a moment, we're going to pass some baskets to receive our offering. I'm going to just ask you to drop it in there as an expression of worship to say I'm ready for a breakthrough. I'm ready for a breakthrough in the brokenness and hurt in my life, but I'm ready for a breakthrough in this church that I call home. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, thank you for these perfect examples of how to see a breakthrough. Thank you that these aren't made-up stories from history. These are real people, people just like us. Father, teach us to follow that example, to lean into the stronghold of the church family, to come to you not with our checklist of things we want you to do, but with humble hearts saying, God, where do you want me to go? What step do you want me to take? Do you want me to fight here or do you want me to fight somewhere else? God, help us be disciplined enough to set aside things that we enjoy not to punish ourselves to earn your love, but just to be more in tune. That our hunger and self-deprivation would guide us like King David to fall prostrate on our face and beg for a breakthrough. And then God, give us the guts to march into an unwinnable battle singing praises for your victory before it even happens. In Jesus' name, amen.